Grace, mercy, and peace be unto you from God, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. You may be seated. Now, if, if I were to write this uh, a little bit differently, last, last week's sermon would be part A, and today's sermon would be part B. Because this week's gospel reading picks up right where last week's reading leaves off. Last week, we had Jesus confronting his 12 disciples because they were arguing about who among them was the greatest. If you remember how we discussed how how for the disciples at this point in their ministry, things were going pretty well. The 12 of them were getting a lot of respect. They were getting a lot of attention because Jesus was getting a lot of attention. And for them, the even greater news was that they were thinking that each one of them was going to get a pretty good place in the kingdom of, in the kingdom of God, which was going to be set up right here on earth. They were excited and they were beginning to jockey with one another for political, for political position. Like, John, you know, you'd be great as the head, uh, head janitor. <laughs> I think I would probably be best in solving a lot of the cases here in the court. You see what I mean? They're like, maybe you don't see what I mean. <laughs> I see a lot of faces like. Um, but nonetheless, these guys are beginning to look at each other as competition. Does that make sense? But in their arguments about who was the greatest among them, that is, just among the twelve, Jesus then took a child in his arms. And he let the disciples know that even this child could do their job. And he also said to them, if anyone would be first, he must be last and servant of all. And if you follow Jesus, what he was talking about before all of this, he was teaching them that true servanthood could only be fulfilled in himself. For he alone is servant of all. He alone would die for the sins of the whole world. And he alone came to truly seek and to save the lost. And my friends, we all need this service that Jesus alone can do. Jesus was talking about his death and resurrection for the forgiveness of sins. And the disciples, they were talking about their greatness. In other words, they were looking for heaven on earth while Jesus was looking to save people from the hell that this earth is heading towards. He was looking to take people to heaven. So here we are this week. You can see the disciples to listening, listening to Jesus as he's holding this little child. 
And you can see them beginning to be two things, I would argue. A little embarrassed. And I would also say beginning to learn just a little bit. They thought that Jesus had picked them because they thought previously thought that he picked them because he, they found Jesus found something special in them. Like, oh, you're you're a great singer. I can definitely use a great singer. You know, you're really good at organization, Peter. I think I'm going to use you. John, you have a way with words. I'm going to pick you to write one of my gospels someday. But what they failed to realize, there was nothing special in them that wasn't put in them by Jesus first. All things in heaven and on earth were made through Jesus. It wasn't like he just discovered how great they were. Jesus loved them dearly. But they really didn't have anything that he couldn't do without. They needed Jesus. He didn't need them. Do we understand that? I think sometimes as a pastor you start to think, well, this thing is all hinging on me. You know what? This thing was going on a long time before me. And it will go on after me until Jesus comes back. God knows everything about us. He isn't surprised by your abilities. And he's not surprised by your lack of abilities. He made you just the way you are. So that one, you would know him. That is the most important thing, that you know God, the Father, and Jesus Christ, His Son, whom He sent. And number two, He made you just the way you are so that you could show His glory through you. He will use you to lead others to saving faith. And the crazy thing about that is God will use you whether you believe in Him or not. He uses the unbelieving farmer to sustain life, just as He uses the believing farmer. He used Pharaoh in the Old Testament, who was an enslaver of God's people, to bring about saving faith, just as He used Moses. He used Pontius Pilate just as he used the apostles. God's will is going to be done and just as we pray in the Lord's Prayer, I just want to be a part of it. I don't want to be in opposition. I want to be with you. God's kingdom is coming with or without our prayers, but we pray that it would come to us also. Now the disciples, as we noted, were taken back by Jesus because they had thought they were special. As I said before, they were a little embarrassed and probably a little hurt. 
through Jesus' rebuke, they realized that the 12 of them were teammates. They weren't to argue with one another about who was the best of them. They each had an important role. But, 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 based on what is said next, I think that they still felt that even though they weren't better than each other, they were still a little better than other people. Sure, they were equal among each other. That's like us here saying, you know what? We here at University Lutheran Church are all equal. Not one of us are better than another. But we're all better than Grace Lutheran. (laughs) Just kidding. But based on what's said next, that's kind of what the disciples were thinking. Okay? So they're embarrassed. They recognize we're all the same team here. But then John says to Jesus, Well, you know, I could see him. Well, thank you, Jesus, for that. But, uh, teacher, but we saw someone casting out demons in your name. And we tried to stop him because he was not following us. John brings this up in answer to Jesus saying that the greatest among them must be servant of all. He brings it up in response to Jesus telling them, look, a little child can do your job. Jesus didn't need the disciples, but they needed him. And John tries to say, even if there isn't a distinction between himself and the other disciples, there is a distinction between the disciples and other people. Now Jesus, for his part, he's still holding on to that little child. He's still holding that little child that he used to teach them a lesson. And as I said, I I think that this question of John's was in some way a search for clarification and a search for validation. John understood that he was not better than the other disciples, but he thought, but Lord, we've got to be better than them. To be fair to the disciples, and you you know this on personal experience just as I do, it is really hard for us not to compare ourselves with other people. It is really hard. It is also really hard for us not to see the world as us against them. It is hard to go for a job interview as a college student and realize that that person that is interviewing alongside of you needs to receive daily bread from God just as you do. It is really hard to understand that Jesus died to pay for that person's sin even though they seem like they're a threat of taking the dream job that you want. And you know what? When we start to think that way, we can't serve them. 
Because if we do that, perhaps they're going to get ahead of us. Let me ask you a personal question. And don't raise your hand. I already know the answer. Do you complain about other people more than you pray for them? It doesn't matter who you are dealing with. Jesus died for the sin of all people, even the sins about that person that you complain about. He came to serve even them. Now we can't control how people interact with us. We can't control whether they receive our service or if they even love us back. We can love somebody and they can hate us. Look at Jesus, right? But we can pray that Jesus would give us a heart that loves people that he came to save. I can't control them, but I can pray, Lord, create in me a clean heart. Instead of stopping asking God to constantly be changing them, maybe we could start praying, God, change me. This means that we want to be a part of what Jesus is doing. We are not in competition with other people. We are not. They have nothing that we could want. Other people have nothing we could want. Heaven is ours because Jesus washed us with water and the Word. We don't want treasures on this perishing world. And we definitely don't want to take earthly treasures from somebody else if it means that we lose out on heaven. Or they lose out on heaven because they were wronged by a Christian. This is a tough thing to think about. And we want to confess that we often see people as either opportunities or obstacles. Rather than people who Jesus called us to serve. Jesus looked up at John and I knew that Jesus loved him. And then Jesus began to talk. That may have been a little hard to uh, talk, a talk that it was a little hard to follow. So we're going to break up Jesus' response into two sections, but I want you to notice in our gospel, this is not broken into sections. This is Jesus continuing a speech uninterrupted. First thing that Jesus says, or the first part we're going to look at, is he says to John and the Twelve, Do not stop this man. Do not stop him. For no one who does a mighty work in my name will be able to soon afterwards speak evil of me. For the one who is not against us is for us. For truly I say to you that whoever gives you a cup of water to drink because you belong to Christ will by no means lose his reward. What is he saying here? In in one regard, Jesus is telling John that he and the rest of the disciples 
They don't need to, nor can they, control everything. You know what I mean? Look, John, you can't stop this. This thing is going to spread to the ends of the world. Do you think you're going to be able to have a handle on each and everything that goes on? In other words, they are not in the place of God. And also in the context of Jesus saying this, he is telling them that they are not in competition with others who bear the name of Jesus. Now to be clear, the apostles, including John, they would be in charge of correcting false and right doctrine. There is a distinction. But, they were, not everybody who was to be baptized was to be baptized by these guys. So, that is the first part of Jesus' talk. But as I noticed, as I noted before, he keeps talking. And it seems as though he is totally changing topics here. But in the context, I really want to encourage you to understand he is not changing topics. So Jesus, still in response to John and the greater topic of serving others just as God in Christ serves you, he continues speaking while holding this little child. Jesus says, Whoever causes one of these little ones who believe in me to sin, it would be better for him if a great millstone were hung around his neck And he were thrown into the sea. And if your hand causes you to sin, it would be better for him. If it would be better for him to cut it off. I lost my spot here. If your hand causes you to sin, cut it off. It is better for you to enter into life crippled than with two hands going into hell to the unquenchable fire. And if your foot causes you to sin, cut it off. It is better for you to enter life lame than with two feet to be thrown into hell. And if your eye causes you to sin, tear it out. It is better for you to enter the kingdom of God with one eye than with two eyes to be thrown into hell, where the worm does not die and the fire is not quenched. For everyone will be salted with fire. Salt is good, but if salt has lost its saltiness, how will you make it salty again? Have salt in yourselves and be at peace with one another. I don't know what you would say. You've heard this before. Uh, You've grown up and you've heard it explained. And a lot of times it's like, well, this isn't as harsh as what Jesus means. But what what would you think? Or what would you say in response to what Jesus said? Well, the disciples and the Bible says that they didn't say anything. They moved on from that place. I think that they had a lot to chew on for some time to come. Jesus wanted the disciples to know that their fighting with one another could be a stumbling block to those who could possibly become children of God. About a year and a half ago, our Facebook page had Yulu alumni arguing with one another about things. 
And it had Yulu alumni saying not very nice things about one another and about people's motives. I finally, I really don't like these social media interactions, but I finally was forced to get on there and say, guys, what if somebody is looking on our webpage to try to figure out a place where they want to go to church? What are they going to think about when they read us bickering with one another? Right? We're going to cause some people to stumble. We're going to be used as an excuse to not come to church. We're going to be used as an excuse not to gather around the body and blood of Jesus. He's telling these guys here, look, you're arguing, you're jockeying for position, you're talking about who's the greatest among you. You guys, people are watching you. I picked you to serve. Just as I will get down and wash your feet, I'm expecting to you to love others as I have loved you. Stop it, is what he's telling them. If your sin was a hand issue, you should cut it off, guys. Look at this kid. He's watching you. If sin were that easy to get rid of, I'd have a hand chopping ceremony. But sin is not something you can get rid of on your own. If our hands could cause sin, if our feet could cause sin, we would be lined up to get rid of it. Unfortunately, getting rid of sin, it's not within our abilities. When David was caught, he didn't say, Jesus, I'm going to do better. Jesus, watch me now. He said, create in me a clean heart, O God. Renew a right spirit within me. You got to do something. Have mercy on me. I'm lost. We are here this morning because during this past week, we were reminded once again, we're sinners in need of a Savior. As we went through our weeks, we saw that we were tempted to use people rather than serve them. We saw people as competition. We saw them as obstacles. We saw them as pleasure. We saw them as opportunities rather than people that Jesus came to save. We are here because we want Jesus to wash us and feed us. And ultimately, we want to be a part of what he's doing. That means we want to serve others. The disciples were daily corrected and forgiven through the forgiveness that Jesus earned for them on his cross. And thanks be to God, the disciples were used by Jesus to bring saving word, his saving word to the ends of the earth. I pray that when you leave here today, you are a couple of things. Humbled, 
forgiven. I guess three things. And ready to serve. I pray that you would be used to spread salt and life, light to all the places that God would have you go. We have to remember we are not in competition with the world. We're not. We are here because Jesus wishes to use us as a part of his saving mission. In the name of Jesus, amen.